Welcome back to Detroit Strange. This podcast. Yes. Through this, I love that you called this a meeting. Like, I know it's a Zoom meeting, but like, just like, I don't know. Like, when I think of meeting, like, that's why I said, like, how are we going to figure out our Q1 reportings? Because like, <laughs> I don't know. Meeting is such a big, I don't know why. I mean, because like, that's my job is meetings, mm-hmm. I feel like these days. So yeah, that's a lot of people. I think. For me, I mean, I'm in meetings sometimes, but they're all project based meetings yeah. um, or working towards something. So they're this one's probably the most fun for sure. Uh, oh, definitely. We need to think about funner word, a more fun word than meeting, though. Um, session of recording session. Video chat. Video no. chat. Hey, guys, <laughs> welcome back to our channel. We're just video chatting here. Yeah. No. Um, no. A rabble, r- rumpus, um, a ruckus, a ruckus, a ruckus room, a ruckus room. That's mm-hmm. what I think the recording studio would be called a ruckus room. Mm. We're causing a ruckus. This could just be called a ruckus. We're causing a ruckus right now. We're recording a ruckus. A ruckus. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love this vibrancy from you today. I mean, like, you're always wonderful. But I can no. tell you're in an extra good mood and I love it. You know, the sun is shining. Mm-hmm, I have got mm-hmm. my grocery shopping done. Mm-hmm. She is marinating. I'm excited because like TJ and I talked last night. We're like, it's going to be nice tomorrow. We should grill. So we're like shish kebabs. And then we decided we're both going to make two different proteins. Bring them. And we're it's going to be a lot of shish kebab, but like it'll kind of be meal double as meal prep for the week because mm-hmm. like that heats up well, like shish kebab. Oh, yeah. meat, and then like I'm making a dirty rice, too. OK, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I think my body's just excited that I'm putting fresh nutrients in because lately it's been vitamins and pizza rolls because last <laughs> week was a lot of construction work. And it was mm-hmm. just like, what can I just put into my body to keep going? A pizza roll? Sure. Mm hmm. I get that. I actually, uh, I haven't gone grocery shopping in a very long time because I got a screw in my tire last week and rather than taking care of it, you know, the day after it happened, I waited until the end of the week to take care of it. And so I was just like, no, I can't go grocery shopping. (laughs) I have to like either be able to walk there or order it. So, mm." (laughs) yeah. And I mean, I had food here too. It wasn't like, but it was like the weird food. You know what I mean? Yeah, oh, cupboard food, I call it, a cupboard food. Mm-hmm. It's the food that you kind of just have around because you bought it at some point, but it's not like food that you're like, we're actively excited about eating when you bought it. Like, oh yeah, I guess I should buy a couple boxes of mac and cheese, a can of soup, and like a rice aroni mix. Like, it's food, mm-hmm. but it's food you weren't excited about when you bought it, you just bought it to have, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah, like the backup cupboard reserves. Food. Which like yeah. it wasn't bad either. Like I, I had some frozen chicken that I could throw on the, you know, like I was fine. But I am looking forward to being able to um, actually think about balance. Yeah. We'll say yeah. this upcoming week. Balance. Also, I'm going to go to Trader Joe's because you know, treat yourself. Yes, it's the sun is shining. So even if you have to wait in the line, it's out in the sunshine. It doesn't even matter. Yeah. And it's just such a pleasant experience shopping there when I go there. I literally have never experienced anything bad. I've kind of gotten in a sweet spot of grocery shopping where like fre- like produce and meats and like smaller stuff. I'll just walk to Western. Everything okay. else, mm-hmm. I just pay someone on ship to do for me because okay. I hate yeah. it. I hate it. I've realized it's worth the extra like 
10 bucks just to like pay someone else to do it for me. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes total sense. I mean, like if that is available to you and it, you know, makes I'm your life. I'm a busy mom on the go. Yeah. I have to get my kids to soccer practice. I don't you have sure time do. to grocery shop. I couldn't possibly. Shipped. It's what's Shipped. for dinner. Yeah. <laughs> Shipped. I, I believe you that. owe us some money shipped. <laughs> I think that like mm-hmm. we either need like we either need free memberships now or like some kind of spots. Yeah, because you need one too. I have one. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have one. Mostly because like it is like the monthly fee or whatever. And I was like, I got a, I I got it at a great time when it was like 50 bucks for a year. So I was like, Oh, that's not bad, yeah. Right? Because I'm like because it was right when I got sick in like November, like the mm-hmm. month, which thinking back, I'm not convinced it wasn't COVID. Like I've not, I'm not, I would never tell somebody that like, I think they had it, but I think you had it. <laughs> I kind like, I don't know. Cause like thinking about it, like I was just sick for so long. It was a sick that I had never kind of experienced for. And mm-hmm. I did get COVID tested, which is weird because like maybe it was just a false negative nothing is perfect and it's still something yeah. that we don't know 100 percent about so i i i think there's been false negatives false positive like i think it's been all over the place yeah but you did the right you know you didn't see Either anybody way, i was you, sick i stayed my ass home yeah. and that's why i signed up for shipped and like mm-hmm. i was like well it's the winter time i hate grocery shopping 50 bucks for a year i'll try it for a year mm-hmm. and now i'm loving it which sucks because now i'm hooked which means I'm going to pay everything other than the indirect fee. You know what? We'll though? See. Everything evens out. And I think yeah. it's okay to do some stuff like that and indulge in things that work better for you. Especially because I never drive. Because like yeah. literally the only time I would grow Shep at Meyer was on the way home from work. And I'm not driving into the office. I'm not driving. So it's like. Yeah. It's an extra thing you actually have to go do. I feel like I'm not spending more money. I'm just reallocating the money I would have spent towards gas, towards groceries. That's how I'm justifying it. That's my that's my justification. Mm-hmm. Honestly, too, but, you're probably buying less from the grocery store. Because if you go into a grocery store, like you see things you wouldn't have thought this about. This looks good. Oh, what's this? Let me put this in my cart. Yo, know, totally. Yeah, um, so... But so remember I told you before we started recording that I have a prop-based story. Mm-hmm. It relates to shipped. So, like I said, you know, we had this plan to make shish kebabs and I like got home last night at like 12:30 p.m. Mm-hmm. and was like still awake because I've been having this really annoying trend where like I'll just catch a second wind at like 11 p.m. and like oh, I'm so amped, excited and then just like mm-hmm. we'll stay up until like 1 or 2 and then like bitch, you need to go to bed. Welcome you to my go- circadian rhythm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. But a bitch got to bed, but before okay. a bitch got to bed, went on shipped and I needed, I was making dirty rice and I was like, I need Tabasco sauce. Wasn't really paying attention. And like all the pictures of Tabasco sauce were the same size. And I Uh-oh. thought I had clicked the like regular, like, you know, the type of Tabasco sauce you'd see on like a table at a restaurant, just like a normal, normal yep. size Tabasco mm-hmm. sauce. Yeah. Let me turn my background off so I can show you what I accidentally ordered. I'm super excited to see this. I got it. I'm like, oh, no, is this what I ordered? Oh, shit. I mean, I guess I'm glad it doesn't go bad because like fucking look at this. Just for comparison, here is my iced coffee. This is 12 ounces of Tabasco sauce. 
Okay. 12. So it's big, but I was expecting like super comically giant. large and giant because of all that. To me, up. this is comically large. It's big, but mm, you know what? Because I'm more of a Frank's person. I love Frank's. I love if I, I yeah, well, yeah, I'm, I don't like the vinegar ones, which Tabasco is like more of a vinegary one. Yeah. As much it as has the a other time one. And a place. But actually, I am. a um, I like a, you're a, a Topatico Topati- girl, aren't you? Topatio. Topatio, yeah. Topatio is one of my favorite ones. And then actually there's, what is it? There's uh, there's one that's from a- an African like food chain that I can't, Peri Peri. I like Peri Peri sauce. Yeah. Speaking of like African food, um, did I ever tell you about my friend Marushka? Uh, I don't think so. She was uh, the GA for my freshman year of college. And we like stayed decently close throughout college, but like haven't talked in a minute, but. I still follow her on Instagram and I noticed that she moved to the Detroit area and actually oh. started a Cameroonian like sauce company where she's making like traditional Cameroonian sauces and canning them and selling them. Oh, that's awesome. And so I've been meaning to like order some and support her because yeah. also I love trying new things. Yeah. I never had Cameroonian food, but like she would always be cooking in her GA apartment in our dorms and I'd walk by and be like, damn, that smells good. You know? Yeah. No, that's exciting. That's awesome. Yeah, so I'll have to I'll have to look up the name, and I, I should mention it on air because if anyone's interested in some like quality, authentic Ethio or not Ethio Cameroonian mm-hmm. sauces, yeah. slide into my DMs. Yeah. I can make that happen for you. No, that's great. No, if you uh, when they, when you remember the name, just yeah, share it, share it out. Yeah, that'd be lovely. So yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, no, she's cool. That's awesome. I want to support her and I want to try her sauces. Yeah, no, I love that. That's fantastic. I I want to try them too. I love sauce. Give me all that sauce. I'm like, just like you said, such a good mood because like one, it's sunny. Two, I'm getting back into cooking, which I love after like last week. I just kind of like toiled away in the basement for a long time. Mm -hmm. But the exciting news is basically... Next weekend, I'm calling it the soft opening because everything except for the bar is going to be done by next weekend. That's awesome. Very, very, very excited about that. Yay. So I can have my house back. I can Mm -hmm. cook. It'll be sunny. Yeah. Perfect timing, too. Like, I mean, like we've been talking about, like you chose the perfect time to do it because like now we're going into the nicer weather and. Yeah. You'll have that time back, which is great. Yes. No, for sure. I just like. When I started this project in January, I didn't like didn't like know for sure how long it was going to take, but I definitely thought it would take less time. But like, I think all construction takes more time. It always than, takes yeah. longer. Than, yeah. So like to finally be getting towards the end, I'm, you know, and it feels and because I did it myself, it does feel like an accomplishment. Like, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Look at all these things because it looks great. I think I sent you a Snapchat video. Yeah. Of it. Yeah. No, it's looking good. Yeah, I'm pretty proud. I'm like proud. I'm good. You should be. Yeah. yeah. No, you'll have to uh, maybe share some little videos or pics too on yeah. our socials. Especially once I get the <laughs> little recording studio done. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And shout out to Jerry, my cousin, who's been helping with all this. Cause like, I feel like I've just, I've learned so much about like construction stuff. Yeah. I'm really grateful for that. That's awesome. Yeah. He listens to the show. So I, yeah. I was telling him about my story for today, actually. And he was like, oh, that is good. Oh, I'm excited about that. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Well, are yeah. you, what? I was gonna say, are you sipping on anything? 
just an iced coffee. Okay. Oh. Yeah, I it's I it's I mean it's always iced coffee season, but today mm-hmm. was really feeling an iced coffee. Uh, I just have coffee, and then I made a, I did make a strawberry daiquiri just because I was like I have the things for it. That looks delicious. I noticed you sipped on that earlier. I'm like, oh, she made something. I did, yeah. Um, I did actually top it off though with like a lemon or lemon a lime spritzer thing, so it's a little bit like runnier than a normal daiquiri. I think that's sippable. smart though because yeah. I yeah because I don't love when it's like if Hard? it's anything slicker <laughs> if it's anything like thicker than a Slurpee. Mm-hmm. I'm interested, but I'm less interested. But if it's like I I like the idea of because it makes it a little lighter too. Mm-hmm. Well, it's more like an actual drink than like a um, slushy. Like, I was gonna say if I want a slushy, I'm gonna go Seven Eleven. Yeah, and I can always put vodka in that. Mm-hmm. And that's not what this is. No, that is not. What I do. <laughs> I remember the first time I had vodka in a Slurpee. I was like, "This is the most amazing thing in the world." Why didn't anybody tell me about this? As I said it, I don't think I've actually done it. It's and really. Now I need to. I mean, yeah. like it's not good, but it is good. Oh, def- I, I yeah. imagine it's probably like. Have you ever um. Like gotten those like freezer pops that come in the little plastic yes. sleeves mm-hmm. and then like mix those with alcohol and slush See, them up. See, that one I haven't done, but I think very similar probably, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It uh, removes the trip to 7-Eleven, but 7-Eleven, the, the, you can't be at a Slurpee, I feel like. If you want that mm-hmm. kind of thing, I feel like Slurpee is kind of like, that's why everyone calls it a Slurpee, not like, you know, Kleenex is tissue. Like yeah. Slurpee mm-hmm. is that and- kind of drink. You get a nice container, like it's got a good container and yeah. like, I know the pops do too, but like they're not sturdy. Like the, the Slurpee container is going to be sturdy for you. Yeah. It's going to get you through the day. It's going to be there for you. See with a Slurpee, I'm like, I want them so infrequently. I'm like, I'm gonna get the paper cup. It's oh yeah. I just cup. don't get the big ones. I yeah. get like, yeah, I think it's like, is it 20 ounce or 16 or something like that for the Slurpee? I feel like the biggest paper cup one is like my ideal size for a Slurpee. I think it's like 20 because I feel yeah. like that's what the one I would usually get. It's bigger than a Tabasco sauce, but probably maybe smaller than this. Yes, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. That's the, the 20 Visual ounce things are. on a podcast are always great. They really are. I'm sure all our listeners know exactly <laughs> the size of the Starbucks reusable iced coffee cup and a 12 ounce Tabasco. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a, I, that at least has a size measurement, mm-hmm. 12 yeah. ounces. It does. But I'm also going to go back to, though, the iced coffee. I mean, like most people know how much like a reusable iced coffee yeah, cup I mean, it's just is. like a, a tumbler with a straw. Basically, that yeah. size cup. Yeah, yeah. Love a tumbler with a straw. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I got this when I worked in the rents. I, like, I miss having a Starbucks in my office, but also it's probably great for my wallet because I feel like it was yeah. every day I was going yeah. down there and like getting a nice coffee. Sometimes multiple times a day. I've had a couple Starbucks like accessible on the way to work, but never like next to work or like right there or during work or anything. And I felt very lucky in life. Yeah. I had anxiety about ordering coffee from a <laughs> place on a walk the other day. Cause I was like, I don't know how it works here. Cause it was a place that like inserted a window near my house and like, Oh yeah. I've never been to. And there are people on these little chairs right outside of it. And I was like, there's too many people and I have too much anxiety right now of figuring this out in front of people. So I kept walking and I came home and like, just made a coffee at home. And I was like, this is okay. This is good. It's nice to have the option to do it at home because it was. Just, 
Yeah, because like I love coffee beverages more than I like going mm-hmm. out to get coffee beverages. Not that I shouldn't take care of that anxiety and I should totally figure that out, but... <laughs> oh, for sure. I mean, I feel like right now is a weird time. Yeah. Because it's like vaccinations are starting to roll out. Yeah. But, but they like don't fully... Everyone, I'm not vaccinated. And, and they don't... Like, they vaccinate you, but they don't make you... They don't stop it. You know what I mean? Like, it's like a combination of vaccinations and vaccinations people getting vaccinated. not going to fix everything. It's no. going to help, but it's going to not going to fix everything. We're still going to need yeah. masks. We're still going to need to do some social distancing. Yeah. It's just going to ease it a little bit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, like, it's not, um, it's not a it's fix not the be all end all. Yeah. Yeah. So it's still weird. It's going it, to, we're, we're moving on to a different phase of weird, basically. Yeah. But... Changes. Changes. Speaking of changes, would you like to change to hearing about a story? Smooth. I'm trying. <laughs> I tried. Uh, I was talking about this like Saturday Night Live sketch. I like don't remember the context of the sketch, but I always remember the line. I tried, and therefore nobody can criticize me. <laughs> I like it. No, I agree. Yeah, I agree. It was from a Daniel Radcliffe sketch. I can't remember anything about it, but I just remember that line. Fantastic, love it. Five stars. Um, thank you. <laughs> Sorry, Ryan. Something else. I did watch that Black Mirror episode where everyone was ranking each other. Have you seen that one? Yeah. Oh, many times. Yeah. I usually don't like watching Black Mirror because it stresses me the frig out. But TJ was like, can we watch a couple episodes? I'm like, yes, but you will have to like know that I'll be sitting next to you wound up so tight. He's like, that's okay." (laughs) I mean, some more than others for sure, though, too. That one is. That one's okay. That one wasn't crazy. It hits close, but it's not so. It's terrifying, but in a manageable way, if that makes yeah. sense, where some of them are terrifying in a very non-manageable way where it's like, no, 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 no. And this one's like, yeah, we should probably work on that. Right. Like, it's like this could happen, but like we're still like pretty far away from this. But like this is where we could be heading if we don't change some things kind of, yeah. you know. As for some of them, it's like, oh, shit, that's fucked. We could be there. That's terrifying. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good episode, though. Yeah, it was the yeah. premiere of the second season, I believe. Yeah. Episode one. Interesting show. I, yeah, I love Black Mirror. We watched that one, and we also watched the like video game one, where like the two guys... Okay, I was going to say there's two video game ones, and you and I have yeah. talked about this before, but I think last time we actually talked about the other one. So, yeah, yeah. no, the two guys one, that's Very one that interesting. sticks with me, like, just afterwards, because I'm like, but, yeah, but, like, in there, but out of there, like... I, can't. I think it raises interesting questions yes, about sexuality. Exactly. That's what I mean. Like, it's just such an interesting, I, I guess like it just points out like nobody really knows anything. <laughs> yeah. Things aren't set in stone is what it points out. Things are not set in stone. And I think that's very yeah. interesting. I think that was, that might be one of my favorite episodes just because mm-hmm. I think it actually had like a pretty good ending. Like, you know, they like mm-hmm. the married couple worked at, like, oh, I guess spoil. I don't know. It's been out for a while. Yeah, it's fine. I was just say that because I I like that the married couple you worked just, it out, yeah. but were able to kind of like both have what they wanted. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Still, yeah. you know, they would like manage to. I feel like they found a good compromise mm-hmm. and like, yeah. 
Yeah. No, I, mean, them, I, I feel like a lot of them and I'm like, well, everything's bleak. Better go start drinking. And this one was like, oh, that was nice. I liked that. Good mm-hmm. for them. Good for them. <laughs> I mean, there's been a few that are a little there's some that are very, very dark. And then there's some that are like a little bit more resolved, we'll say. But I mean, like they are directed by different people every episode. So, I mean, it kind of makes sense, too, that like they're not yeah. going to have a consistency in, in that way. Yeah. Uh, the consistency is just like the what if factor of like it's all related to something sort of happening or so like something plausible on a certain trajectory or timeline. If like, yeah, human society develops in a certain way. Yes. Which is oh, just interesting. No, I've is. been spending my time watching Drop Dead Diva. I used to watch that show <gasps> entirely you? too. I watched like the first it's three so or bad. four seasons. It's so bad. It was like right when I first moved to Ferndale mm. and like, I knew it was a trash show, but there was just, I, I mean, Margaret Cho's in it for a couple yeah, of no, bit, and I love Margaret Cho. She's in the whole thing and I love her. And is it's she? Funny. Okay. I kind yeah. of, I had, it's been a minute since I watched it. No, yeah. I no, love she's, Margaret Cho. She's the, the main character's assistant. So she's like, in it. she's not always like super present in every episode. There's some where she's in it more than other ones. But, but she's definitely like, she's considered recur. Yeah. Yeah. And she, she's, I think we've even talked about this on the podcast. I'm so sorry, but I love drop dead yeah. diva. It's not good. I found I don't out. Think we've talked about it before. We I, haven't, okay. know, I don't think so. Cause I, I haven't talked about it with anyone probably okay. since 2017. I feel okay. like Lisa, I found out also, maybe that's what I'm thinking about. She and I talked about it. So we just started watching it from the beginning recently yeah. as our like, are we going to watch it? We also yeah. decided we should recreate the intro theme song with her as the before and me as the after. And then we want you to be Fred. Okay. The guardian angel. <laughs> Very into that. I kind of forget how the theme song goes. <laughs> da, da, dee, da, dee, da, dee, da. <laughs> Hi, that's see, or no. Wait, oh, hello. Yeah. See that model there. That's me. Deb. <laughs> then I died. And now I'm a plus sized lawyer going to take on the fucking town. I woke up in someone else's body. <laughs> it's so funny because the whole show is like, it's very lifetime. And there's yeah. like, just like a lot of uh, the wardrobing is very lifetime. And it's hilarious because like, they're supposed to be like really into fashion. Yeah. It's not working. But then the guest stars are like really good sometimes. Yeah. No, because I think, uh, Patty Lapone was on for a minute as a judge. Love mm-hmm. Patty Lapone. Paula, Paula Abdul. <laughs> oh my God. I forgot that fucking uh, Paula Abdul was on that show. Yeah. No, there's a uh, bunch. Rosie O'Donnell's a, a reoccurring oh, yes. guest Love character. Rosie. Who else is reoccurring? There's like a lot of that. And there's like a lot of actors that come on there. I'm like, I don't know their name, but I know I've seen them in something. Yeah. And I get really excited. And it's amazing. And it's wonderful. And yeah, no, it's delightfully bad yes and it's on amazon prime yes so it is highly entertaining please hate watch it it's so great and i love i do love the people in it i want to give props to everybody i would be so proud to have worked on a show like that like oh for sure it's this is not like a bashing it this is just like a some things are guilty pleasures and this is yeah, it, yeah, it, it knows, knows what it where, is. It knows what it is, and it does yeah. that well. It's not trying to be like Oscar nominated, not no. Oscars because that's not TV. But uh, you know what I mean. I don't even know, but yes, Tony. No, that's not. No, that's that's stage. Uh, Emmy. 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 There we go. We I got knew it there. ended in a Y. They most of them do. <laughs> Shh. <laughs> uh, so story. The story. Yes. Yeah. 
I, I sidetracked us. <laughs> You're good. Have you ever heard of Bluebeard? No, but I'm hoping it's a pirate. Not a pirate. Oh. What my cousin thought too, but not oh. a pirate. We're actually, pack your bags. We're going on a long field trip just for the beginning part of this episode. Okay. We're going to France. Oh la la. It's fitting because Detroit is what? The Paris of the Midwest. Mm-hmm. So we're going back to the motherland. Wee oui, wee. Oui. <laughs> where they call him Barbe Bleu, which I think is beard blue in yeah. French. Mm-hmm. Well, Bluebeard, because they always put the color after. So it is. Yeah. yeah. So Bluebeard is a French folktale. And as folktales go, like the, kind of like, there's a lot of versions of it, but the best known version was written by a man named Charles Perrault. And published in 1697 by Barbin, a Parisian publisher, hmm. as part of a collection called Histories of Contes de, de Temps Passé, or I don't know. I'm not a French speaker. I tried, but basically um, directly translates to stories or tales of times gone by. Okay. So it's kind of like their mother goose, you know, yeah. like. Fairy tale kind of. Yeah. Right. So the story of Bluebeard, as told by the French folklore, there was a wealthy man who had a penchant for murdering his wives. Oh, a penchant. Yeah. <laughs> I like had to use that word because I was reading a book, mm-hmm. not recently, but last year, where like I feel like every chapter he used the word penchant. It was like a memoirs. I mean, it's a good, it's kind of a good word, and but don't overuse it. Like you you gotta don't waste it. Right. It felt like that person who had wrote the book just mm-hmm. learned that word and was just using it because they had just learned it. And we're so excited mm-hmm. about it. And I was just like, I love this for you, but also you're using this word entirely too much. Yeah. So but going back to, to yeah. this guy murdering all these wives. Yes. What is it when a man does that? Because I know like when a female does it, it's usually like a black widow. Like, oh, look at this black widow. Because one of my favorite movies ever. Uh, so I married an axe murderer. Yeah, that's like a, a large part of the storyline. I think it's literally called a bluebeard because like Marion Webster actually defined bluebeard as like someone who murders like their wives. I think let me scroll down. I have that further. But um, shouldn't it be like a red beard or something like blue is a I'm in intru- I'm ooh. the man. OK, so entomology bluebeard is defined. Yes. Bluebeard is defined as in Marion Webster as, quote, a man who marries and kills one wife after another. So it's a bluebeard, I think. Oh, okay. That's why. (laughs) I don't know, but I think it's all because it's fairy tale. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. I did um, not mean to interrupt. I just. You're good. You're good. I get it. It's not. It doesn't make sense. But like, because like Black Widow, it's a spider. It's a spider. And then the widow is like, you know, left behind a spouse of a dead spouse. Yeah. And. Yeah, it makes the, the the that combination makes sense. Whereas Bluebeard yeah. is like, I don't know. I'm imagining that craze a few years ago where men were putting glitter in their beards. Yes, that's <laughs> like, a glitter beard. I know, Much but like different. a lot, there's a lot of blue glitter. So that's all I'm thinking. Yeah. Of is. <laughs> so Bluebeard is okay if it's glitter Bluebeard, but if you're murdering wives, don't do that. Yeah, that's a no for me, man. I mean, unless they deserve it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well so just kind of like the tldr version of the story or 
it's not drunk history. I'm going to call it caffeinated history because okay. I'm mm-hmm. getting close to the bottom of this iced coffee. Yes, fair. fair so there's fair. a nobleman named Bluebeard, and he's been married many times to beautiful women who have all mysteriously disappeared. So weird. He goes to visit a neighbor and asks to marry one of his daughters. You know, like you do. Like, hey, can I just like have one of your daughters? Doesn't yeah. matter which one. I just kind of want to marry. Women are just property. They're right. not. They. You don't ask them. Maybe trade you a cow for. I'll trade you a cow for a daughter or something. Mm-hmm. Like a dowry. You know, just mm-hmm. give me one of your daughters. Yeah. So the daughters were like, oh, not a fan. We don't want to go. Hell no, we won't go. But the youngest daughter decides to take one for the team. And she's like, I'll go with you. I'll be the wife. Oh, no. And so she goes to live with him far away from her family in like a luxe palace chateau. They kind of use the word palace chateau interchangeably. So I will do the same in the countryside. So they live there for a bit. And Bluebeard's like, I have to go. I have to leave the country. Here are the keys to the place. Okay. So he like tosses her the keys. She's like, take care of it. Oh, by the way, don't go in this one door. Every other door, fine. This one door, don't go in here. No. Yeah, of course. (laughs) So she's like, okay, whatever. He leaves. She's like, calls up her. I guess, I don't know. Maybe sends a carrier pigeon. I don't know what you do these days for communication for distances. But she's like, hey, yo, sisters and cousins and friends. Come on over to my palace. Let's party. Party. And she's like, you know, having her party. But she just Mm -hmm. like can't shake the curiosity of what is behind the door she's not supposed to go into. Do you have any guess as to what could have been in the room that she was not supposed to go into? Rumpelstiltskin. Stiltskin? Stiltskin. No. A little darker than that. Okay. Um, I, I get three guesses. I've decided I've made it a scheme yes. up. Um, ooh, a, a deep hole with no bottom. Like you didn't know where it, it stopped. No. Um... Um, an evil clown. Nope. Okay. So she opens the door to the room and it goes down to this basically murder dungeon where it's like a room flooded with blood and all the XYs are hanging from hooks on the walls. So like some HG Because fairy tales. Yeah, exactly. Fairy tales. Yeah. 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 Freaked out. She's like, I gotta get out of here. But she drops the key in blood. I mean, I'm gonna point point out too, though, that like that's not necessarily fairy tale folklore like there's a lot of true life stories of people opening into murder murder rooms yeah yeah okay go on like countess bathroy in hungary she was that like hg wells too or not hg wells hh holmes i'm at hh holmes there we go there we go hg wells is an author i think Uh, yes he is he did the the time machine the travel time machine yes um, <laughs> Hot dog time machine. Yes. H.H. H. Holmes. I knew what I was thinking. H.H. H. Holmes. Also, yes. um, that guy in California who lived in the Frank Lloyd Wright house. Who'd um, there was murder in a Frank Lloyd Wright. No, he didn't. Well, there was probably a murder room in one. Uh, what was his name? Hodel. George Hodel. Huh. He probably had a murder dungeon. He probably also killed the Black Dahlia. That's what I think. There's a whole thing. We did. Yeah. It's a whole thing. Murder. Yeah. So anyway, XY's hanging from the hook, like mm-hmm. blood everywhere. She dr- like goes to leave, drops the key in blood, and she tries to like clean the blood off of the key. But of course, it's a magical key that will not come clean. 
So naturally, naturally, of course. So Bluebeard returns unexpectedly because of course. Yeah. And he sees the key and is like, what the hell? I told you not to go in there. Goes into a rage, threats killer right then, right there. So she's like, please, no, let me just at least have one last prayer with my sister. Mm hmm. So she goes, has a prayer with her sister and goes back. Like Bluebeard's like about to kill her. And right before he kills her and like her sister comes back with like the men folk, like her brothers and I don't know, male party goers and they kill Bluebeard. So, so he dead, he gone. Yeah. So they kill Bluebeard and she inherits everything, his fortune, properties, whatever, because she was the last wife. The murder room. Yeah, she inherits everything. So what she does is she uses the fortune. She has the ex-wives buried, uses the fortune to help her siblings get married and then remarries herself and then moves on from the dreadful affair. It didn't say lived happily ever. So she just moved on. So, OK, yeah, the French man, you know, yeah. doesn't end in happily ever. She just moved on. Sure. So that's the that's what we went to. That's what we went to France for. Okay. So grab, okay. grab your bags. We're heading back. You okay, know. I got my pillow. Yeah. Grab your pocketbook. We're leaving. <laughs> so now we're back in the Paris of the Midwest. Mm-hmm. Detroit, 1917. A woman by the name of Augusta Steinbeck had just moved to town. Oh. And she had started a correspondence romance with a man named Herman Neugebauer. Nope. Neugebauer. There we go. Okay. Sometimes with German last names like that, I kind of just add like consonants where they have no business being. I mean, because I, you know, yeah, it's easy to do. It's it's I I have a bad habit of just like just taking the first couple letters and just finishing it however I want. Like my March Madness pick is Gorgonzola. I think it's Gonzalo or something like that or Gonzala, but I just I'm like Gorgonzola is going to win March Madness. I'm into that. Awesome. Yeah. Are you the one who sent me the video where like about the word hippo and all the languages in the last yes. one. I'm pretty sure it was German. Yes. And they were all yes. like, hippopotamus, hippo, miss. And then they was like, neflach. Yeah. No, German can be very angry. It's I harsh, love German. It's Einstein. the learn German just to yell in German. It's very satisfying. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. But Hermann Neugebauer, she, this woman, Augusta, had started correspondence with him. Because she saw a matrimony advertisement mm-hmm. in the newspaper because early 1900s, that's a thing. You could just put like looking for a broad to marry because that's how dating works. I mean, people kind of do that now on dating it's apps a personalized sometimes. Ad- yeah, I think it's some people think, way overshare on those. Yeah, it's definitely a practice that still exists, but is definitely modified throughout the ages where I think mm-hmm. it's less. You wouldn't call it a matrimony advertisement now. You would call it a dating profile. Yeah, I mean, it's it's softened and we don't like trade goods for human. Be- well, I mean, there are some problems, with human trafficking. We don't need to get into that. But like, right. we don't as like a society uh, do that. And yeah. yeah, so it's just people looking for love now. Exactly. Misconnections. Those are the funniest right. ones. I always loved the... The Mad TV sketch lowered expectations. Oh my god, lowered, lowered expectations. expectations. And it's just them walking in like a sewer. <laughs> uh, Mad TV, honestly, I'm not going to say when it was it like hit, always great, but when it hit, it hit, and I miss it. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. It was nice to at least have an alternative to Saturday Night Live. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. watched both. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely was the Pepsi of the late night sketch show. <laughs> it's kind of like SNL was Coke and it was like, is mm-hmm. Pepsi okay for Mad TV? But sometimes yeah. a Pepsi slaps. I sometimes it. it does. Sometimes, I, well, a dietary Pepsi will outrule any diet Coke scenario. I actually just got some of that today. Yeah. I'm jealous. Yeah. So Augusta talking to Herman, he promised her a house of a house of her own. And if she would move to Detroit and give him her hand in marriage. So she was like, in her like late thirties, I think uh, she was working as a housekeeper. And so like for the elite families in New York at the time. Mm -hmm. So she's like, okay, yeah, sure. Why not? So she packs up her belongings which I guess included a pretty impressive jewelry collection that she had acquired throughout the years. And she didn't move in with him right away, but she did move to Detroit for this romance. And she moved into a boarding house in the city ran by a couple named Thomas and Cora Hetherington. Okay. So kind of remember that name. They'll come back later. Okay. But Augusta would like come home and just gush about Herman and his two sisters like the younger of which Augusta mentioned that she loved to play the organ. Like the younger sister loved to play the organ. Mm-hmm. Uh, she also would write letters to her best friend, Agnes Domaniecki, recounting her time in Detroit with Herman as two sisters. So she was just like head over heels, gushing, gushing, gushing. Yeah. Lovely. All the things. So in March of that year of 1917, she left the boarding house and married Herman and lived happily ever after. Or did she? No, not at all. Psych. <laughs> I literally next line is psych. Never to be heard from again. Oh, no. Yeah. That is drama. Yeah. So about a month after her marriage, a postcard was sent to Cora, the woman who ran the boarding house, mm-hmm. uh, with a request to forward her mail to Mr. H.E. Schmidt at 9 Oakdale Boulevard in Royal Oak. Huh. And one thing that struck Cora is odd in this correspondence that Augusta spelled her own name wrong. She spelled it with an E at the end. So Augusta. Yeah. So suspicious. But Cora was like, maybe she was in a rush. I don't know. Cursive. So she's like. Cursive is tough for some people. It is. I know my cursive is sloppy. I I couldn't tell last time. I mean, we don't really use it that much now. Signatures. We use it for signatures. That's it. I'm going to write you a cursive handwritten letter and send it to you in the mail. Me too. You won't be able to read it. Jessica, (laughs) my heart longs for a time when we can be together again. I love reading like correspondence between people in like the late 1800s, early 1900s. Oh my gosh. It's fucking bonkers at how like flowery the language is. Oh, it's so great though. I love it because compared to nowadays, like. Sometimes the most romantic text you'll get is you up. Yeah. Or just any emoji. <laughs> yes. Yep. <laughs> Doesn't even We've matter. gone to a post-verbal word. Yeah. A post-verbal word. World. Uh-huh. There we go. Sakura, suspicious, but ultimately mm-hmm. honored the request and started having her mail forwarded to that address. Okay. Someone else that started to get suspicious after not hearing from Augusta for a while was her friend Agnes. It okay. had been a few months since she'd heard from her dear friend who had moved to Detroit to marry this man that she had never met in the flesh till moving there. Mm-hmm. Was Agnes back in New, New York? York? Okay, okay. Yeah. So they were friends in New York. Okay. Augusta's like met this guy moving to Motor City. Yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. Let's be pen pals kind yeah. of thing. 
So Agnes contacted hard-boiled detective. I don't really know what that means, but I love that like hard-boiled is an adjective for both um, detectives and eggs, you know? Yeah. I'm wondering if it means like, I don't know, like well- Solid. Well seasoned, well cooked. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Solid. Maybe. I don't know. But hard-boiled detective named Cornelius Williams. He sounds hard-boiled. They spelled Williams. I think it's Williams or it's W-I-L-L-E-M-S-E. Williams. Williams. Yeah. Back in Manhattan. So she was in Manhattan. She's like, detective, my friend's missing. Mm -hmm. Figure it out. So he went to the publication named Review which is where Augusta had originally found the Lonely Hearts ad that led her to Herman. And when he went there, he made a startling discovery when digging through the archives. Uh There was multiple advertisements that were placed under different names, but the same address, 9 Oakdale Boulevard. Oh, no. Where record shows a man named Helmuth Schmidt, a machinist and Detroit German immigrant, Lived with his wife, Helen, and daughter, Gertrude. Oh, no. Who coincidentally also liked to play the organ. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah. So this led to an operation where some detectives, like, they're, like, suspicious. This Mm -hmm. woman went missing. Like, all these ads. They, like, decided to go arrest this Helmuth guy at the Ford Highland plant where he worked. While another team of detectives went to the house in Royal Oak. Uh Uh-huh. Oh. In the house, they had found stashes of jewelry all around, even in Gertrude's piano. They also found many expensive articles of clothing and furs in their closet. Suspicious, but not damning evidence. Mm-hmm. The damning evidence was in the basement and crawl space. And the bodies. And the so they bodies. found a bloodstained dress and broken oh. cleaver in the crawl space. And oh. in the basement, they found blood streaks on a furnace and a mysterious black stain on the floor. And in the garage, they found Mm-mm. like a chunk of Augusta's hip bone, basically. So, Ew. like, a, yeah, just part of the body had not, not even been able the to whole get rid of bone. Just a chunk. Oh no! Yeah. Uh. So apparently, he also had a house in Highland Park, which they also searched. And in there, they found another body cocooned in some canvassy fabric and cemented in a secret grave under the cellar floor. Oh, no. So. (laughs) So bad. Yeah. They discovered that this body was one of Irma Palatinus, who is his housekeeper and possible lover. (sighs) So obviously he was doing some bad shit and was taken into custody. Mm -hmm. There he partially confessed to the murder of Augusta Steinbeck before asking to take a lunch break. So. He partially confessed to murdering Augusta, went back to his cell, scrawled a message on the wall saying wife and daughter innocent before taking the cot that was hinged to the wall and smashing it down on his skull, killing himself. Oh, God. You get I didn't know they offered lunch breaks while somebody was confessing to murder. I mean, I didn't either, but I guess like if you're like in a room talking for a long time, you can ask, like, can we take a break? I mean, bad choice, it looks like on their part, but... Wow. So he's trying, like, with his dying message, he's trying to, like... Exonerate his wife and daughter, yeah. But, of course, if you write people on a wall saying they're innocent right before you kill yourself after committing crimes, that only puts a magnifying glass stronger on them, you know? It doesn't help. 
Not at all. Like if you had taken the stand and were testifying, like you might be able to actually prove it via your stories or whatever. But like. He kind of was like, he knew he was fucked and he was like trying to like not take them down with him. But it probably backfired, I'm assuming. We'll see. We're getting there. So kind of a Bigner magnifying glass came down on Gertrude so that Gertrude was his 18 year old daughter. And she was the one that was kind of the constant between these many wives, because those aren't the only two women, unfortunately. Oh, wow. So at first glance, the Pontiac officials involved in the case thought she was just a simple yet innocent dupe. Like she's kind of just like just kind of there. She was not she's not like an accomplice. She's just kind of like there. And this is the daughter Gertrude. This is the daughter Gertrude. The Detroit detectives were not so convinced and pushed for charges to be brought against her based on two pieces of evidence. Okay. So the two pieces of evidence were the letters actually written by Augusta to her friend. And then the postcard sent to Cora Heatherington, the boarding house lady with Augusta's name spelled wrong. Mm -hmm. So based on those two pieces of evidence, they're like, we're taking Gertrude Mm -hmm. into custody. We're going to focus on the letters for first now. So... Agnes made the journey to the Motor City to help identify some of Augusta's things and help with the investigation. Like, her best friend was murdered, so she's yeah. going to the city just for many reasons. I mean, it makes sense. She also hired the detective, and yeah, right, yeah. Right. she cares. Big part of the case, yeah. yeah. So she didn't keep the letters she had received, like, talking about, like, oh, Herman and, my, and his sisters, mm-hmm. but, like, they were still fresh in her mind. And, like, she'd, like, had talked about them so much that she had descriptions, like kind of pictures in her head of what the two sisters looked like. Yeah. And they were kind of dead ringers for both the wife and the daughter. Yeah. So Helen and Gertrude, Helen's the wife. So this was evidence for sure, but they didn't have any motive for why his daughter and like even more so why his current wife would play along with his scheme. Mm hmm. If he was already married, why was he why would his wife and daughter play along with him to try and drag another woman into this to marry? Yeah, because like Augusta and Herman or Helmuth, as his real name was, were technically married. Mm -hmm. So it makes him a bigamist as well, too. But the postcard was a bit more interesting and direct in terms of evidence. So Agnes was allowed to examine the card and was able to determine the writing of the postcard was not Augusta, but the signature, oddly enough, looked like Augusta's, even if it was spelled wrong. Oh. So it kind of makes me wonder if maybe like they traced it or something and just traced it wrong. Yeah. Because like I feel like forging handwriting back then was not that hard to do. No, I mean, not if you had enough to go off of. Right. Because yeah. especially there's so much written correspondence back in those days. Yeah. I mean, like, and they could have practiced or something or. Yeah. Right. This is when Helen admitted that she sent the postcard to her sister in New York, who then mailed it to Detroit, which was suspicious, but she denied writing the note. So the handwriting was not Augusta's and not Helen's, but after like close analysis comparing it to Gertrude's, it looked to be a match. So it oh. kind of looked like Gertrude had written the postcard asking for the mail forward. Mm-hmm. Is, am I making sense with this? I kind of feel like I'm all over yeah. the place. No, 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 okay. no. I mean, there's like a lot here, but no, it's... yeah. yeah. Okay, so yeah, there's a lot here. It's like 
Yeah. I no, just want to make sure. We're looking at the letters right now, and it looks like Gertrude probably wrote the police for the mail to the Royal yes. Oak address one for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So things aren't looking good for Gertrude right now because it's kind of like this postcard is kind of like mm-hmm. implicating her as an accomplice. Also, too, like if they were pretending to be his sisters, like they're yeah. in on it. Like you wouldn't just do that for like shits and giggles. Like that's like part of a we'll plan. We'll get to that in a little bit. Oh, okay, too, okay. Sorry. Because there's a th- there's theories about okay. that. So okay. Things already aren't looking good for Gertrude, but that's when a woman named Adele Ulrich Braun came to Detroit. Okay. Who is she? She's different. She's an ex-wife that got away. Oh. So Adele's backstory. Mm -hmm. She started corresponding with a man named Emile Braun through a matrimonial ad she found in the paper and she fell in love. The two were married and she moved with him to a chicken farm in Lakewood, New Jersey, where his 28-year-old sister, Greta Braun, and daughter Gertrude lived. Okay. Mm -hmm. So Gertrude, who was 14 at the time, got to keep her actual role. She was her daughter. daughter. Which, on the subject of Gertrude, it turns out that weeks before all this went down, before Adele came to the picture, her real mother, Anita, disappeared. So, like, Gertrude's birth mother, Anita, Mm -hmm. disappears, and Helmuth was like, Oh, she just decided to go back to Germany. We were all from like, they're all from Germany. They moved. Mm-hmm. They're German immigrants. All of them. Yeah. So she went like, back. Mother, so we moved on. Your mother went, your mother went to go live on a farm. Basically is what he told her. <laughs> Oddly enough, not long after Adele came into the picture, Greta, the woman he was claiming was his sister went missing. Greta, whose real name was Margareta Barsh, B-A-E-R-S-C-H, Barsh. Sure. Anyway, she was Helmuth's lover and longtime housekeeper and was said by like Helmuth told Gertrude she went back to her native home of Denmark. Like your mother went back to Germany. Here's this new woman, Adele. The other woman, she went back to Denmark. Isn't that crazy? (sighs) So probably dead. Like, yeah, she's probably dead. Anita probably dead. Denmark quotations. Yeah. Dead Mark. (laughs) Like. So Adele almost met a similar fate when Helmuth tried to take her out in an engineered car crash. So he was kind of like, like intentionally crashed the car with like the intent to kill her. But she survived with a broken hip. Oh, my gosh. So Schmidt, being the good guy we know him to be, was worried that she might hobble to the authorities and tell them what really happened. Instead, he just took her life savings and her maiden name and went to Detroit as Emil Ulrich. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Rude. Yeah. So Adele was obviously rightfully still hella salty Uh after trying to be killed. Life savings gone. And then like kind of like being made part of this in a way like by taking her last name as this new disguise identity. Mm-mm-mm. That is just too much. Too much. Right. Sir. That is rude. So she came to the prosecutor's office. She was a scored woman and bitch. She had like things mm-hmm. to tell. She sat right next to Gertrude and was basically like, surprise, bitch. Remember me? I was your dad's <laughs> whatever wife. And Gertrude was like, I don't know, I guess. Like to which Adele was like, oh, no, bitch, you were there. You mm. knew exactly what was going on. 
Like she said that Gertrude was her jailer at the time she lived on the chicken farm, saying that she was watching Adele's every move and would report it back to her father, who would then like scold and admonish Adele for anything and everything that was like not to his liking that he got reports from Gertrude. That was Adele's claim. Okay. Wow. And she even gave this following quote. This girl, Gertrude, isn't the meek and innocent appearing young girl that she seems. I know her to be a girl of more than usual intelligent and fully as cunning and resourceful as her father. So did not help Gertrude's case. No. And the press were not helping her either. Most of the time, you know, back in the day, press was a lot of even more predominantly male dominated back in the Mm -hmm. early 1900s. And they kind of saw her as like this manipulative girl caught in a web of lies. There was one female reporter at the time, though, by the name of Buddha Stevens, who uh, saw a flustered teenager forced into the limelight and put on the spot. This reporter was also at the prosecutor's office when Adele popped off and described Adele as, quote, filled with bitterness and fired reminiscent questions at the girl, which confused her. So it's kind of like kind of like nobody's quite sure if Gertrude is or isn't in on it yet. Cause there's like damning evidence both ways. Like yeah. there's like a, definitely a lot of evidence saying that she was involved, mm-hmm. but here now we're getting to testimonies. Okay. Both Helen and Gertrude described Helmuth as manipulative and able to bend people to his will. And they both contradicted a piece of evidence, specifically the letters from Augusta to Agnes that described them in detail. They both claimed that neither of them had ever met Augusta, but how could that be true? Here's the theory that Oakland County prosecutor named Glenn Gilseppi? Gilseppi? Uh, there's a lot of last names. It's mm-hmm. G-I-L-L-E-S-P-I-E. Okay. Gillespie? Gillespie. Gillespie? Yeah. Gillespie. He had a theory for this. He thought that Helmuth told Augusta about the two in great detail so Augusta could use it to preserve her honor. So, like I said, this is the early 1900s. Back Mm -hmm. in the day, this was the age of chaperone dating. Yeah. And it was considered scandalous to be at a house alone together. Mm -hmm. So Augusta, so the theory was that Augusta would always talk about the two women as if they were there so nobody would think ill of her. Okay. So suspicious for sure. Yeah. But like it kind of could make sense. And if both of them are claiming to have never met this woman, it's possible they never did. Yeah. And they both told detectives that during the time frame when Augusta was murdered, Helmuth had sent them to the cinema, a fact that was corroborated by neighbors who had seen the car leave the house. So they at least weren't around at the time of the murder. Yeah. I mean, but I think that could be true in either you know no, I mean? for yeah. sure. So it's at least like they weren't there murdering with him. Yeah, they could yeah, still yeah. be accomplices, but yeah. they at least weren't around at the time of the murder. Yeah, accomplice, not perpetrator. Exactly. Yeah. And there was other evidence that also suggested that he had sent them on an errand when he had to dig up and properly dispose of the body. So like murdered one case and then sent them on an errand when he was trying to get rid of the body. Okay. Gertrude had claimed that she thought something was up, but that she was a good German daughter and never questioned her father and just did as she was told. Okay. So whether you believe her or not, that's what she said. Uh, Helen was also suspicious, but also afraid that she would end up the next ex-wife dead. You know, Mm -hmm. like she kind of got in and 
realized like was suspicious something was up, but she didn't want to try and go to the anything because like it sounds like she was suspicious of something. She wasn't sure enough and she didn't have enough to like ensure her safety mm-hmm. kind of thing. Didn't want to rock the boat. Right. Yeah. But she also ended up having a nervous breakdown well oh. in custody because in the course of just a few days, she learned that she married a bigamist and a con artist who had also murdered someone and incinerated the body in the basement of the home they shared and that she was Uh, used to dispose of the ashes in the stream behind their house. That's a lot. Right? So it's like, so it's like based on the fact that she was helped used to dispose the ashes, she was at least an accomplice, whether she was like knowing or unknowingly, it didn't sound like she was somewhat involved. Yeah. Which like knowing that you're involved in a murder and not, like finding out after the fact would be traumatic. Oh yeah. No, definitely. No doubt about that. Yeah. So both Detroit authorities and Adele wanted to see Gertrude tried as an accomplice, but the evidence just kind of wasn't there to get behind a preliminary beyond a preliminary hearing. Like there was mm-hmm. evidence, but it was kind of like questionable. So they're just kind of like nobody was really quite sure. And there just wasn't enough to like get a full trial. Mm-hmm. But Adele would kind of get to have one showdown with Gertrude because they had to determine his estate, you know, because he's dead. He had property, he had money, all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And because he had had so many wives throughout the course of his time, there were four women vying for the estate. So there was Adele. Wow. Like there was Adele, who we knew. Mm -hmm. Helen, the current wife. Mm -hmm. And then his daughter, Gertrude, and then a fourth woman named Anna Hawk Switt, who came forward from New York with a marriage certificate and claimed that she was married to him before Adele, like a couple weeks. And it it wasn't like a long time period. She's like kind of like a couple weeks to a month before Adele was married. I was married to him, which she was quickly dismissed when the signature on her marriage certificate did not match any of the handwriting samples for Helmuth. Okay. So kind of said that she was just like trying to take advantage of the current news situation. Yeah. Yeah. But since Adele was technically the earliest surviving widow, they had to nullify Helen's marriage to him as bigamy since he was technically already married. Already married. Already married. So mm -hmm. Adele ended up being the rightful beneficiary to most of his estate. Oh, wow. Yeah. So not ideal, but Helen and Gertrude both submitted items that they wanted left out of the settlement. This actually reminds me of an episode of Drop Dead Diva that we watched. <laughs> Ooh, it's all coming. It's all full circle. This is probably <laughs> Lifetime. If Lifetime hasn't made a movie about this, they Lifetime need to. needs to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, continue. <laughs> yes. So... Law determined that Adele was the rightful beneficiary. Helen and Gertrude had been living with him or like, okay, but here's things that are like kind of mine that I want left out of the settlement. And like most of it was like clear cut, but like some of it, the jewelry was like contentious because Helmuth worked as a jeweler in Germany before he immigrated. Oh, and okay. so it sounds like he was regifting wedding rings, which I mean, when you have that many fucking wives, it makes sense. But like both women had claims to the diamond ring, but I think Adele ended up getting it. Okay. Cause it sounds like Helen kind of got nothing. Oh, Adele got pretty much everything. Luckily, it does kind of sound like throughout the process, throughout this process of like settling all this, 
the animosity between Adele and Gertrude kind of lessened. They kind of like, okay, we were both wronged here. Let's like not make this harder on ourselves than it already has. They kind of like were able to reach an amicable settlement. So Adele got most of the stuff, including the Highland Park house and all the furniture. Gertrude got the house at nine Oakdale Boulevard, which she immediately put up for sale because. Well, yeah, like so much negative press and trauma that like there was. But again, so much negative press and trauma. A murder crawl space. Yeah. So (laughs) the house would take a long time to sell. And when it did, it was at a reduced price. Yeah. Not shocked by that. Yeah. And that's like pretty much the end of that story Helen and Gertrude sounds like remained close after going through such an ordeal together especially Mm -hmm. because like they were getting harassed by both the press like the public people like former victims coming out of the woodwork trying to like you owe me because you were with that guy yeah harassing them and so just like they did not have a peaceful life they would like Helen or um Gertrude would go on to marry in 1920 have three daughters. So like Gertrude went on to try and like live a normal life. But Mm -hmm. in 1952, it kind of just she committed suicide. She kind of just so it's like to this day, nobody knows how willing or knowing she was to all this, but definitely scarred her. And like the book even mentioned like the trial took away on it. Like she like after like as the trial went on, she started look like she was kind of like the sharp dresser kind of like cared about appearance but as it went out she just like looked so ragged and just kind of like it was really taking a physical toll on her yeah i don't really know how i feel one way or the other if she was in it or not but i do kind of like it's a shitty situation to be in well it kind of seems like if she was in it it might it, it, there's also a possibility if she wasn't on it it wasn't necessarily her idea or what she wanted to be doing it might she be was something a child. that she was kind of yeah like um persuaded or maybe even like forced into being a part of if she was doing so knowledgeably it might not have been by choice too so i feel i do kind of feel for her yeah i mean there's like a slim possibility she did it willingly and wanted to but it doesn't seem like that probably yeah so that's kind of the detroit's bluebeard Okay. So that's kind of like that was the connection. That's why we went to France, France first to learn the folklore because yeah, everyone was calling it Detroit's Bluebeard. Okay. So I wanted to give you the story of the folklore why we were calling first. it Bluebeard. Yeah, 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 yeah. That makes sense. Um, so I really only have two sources. I have, or no, I have three. I have Wikipedia, mm-hmm. uh, AP News, and Wicked Women of Detroit by Tobin T. Book. You know, classic standby. I had a feeling it was from your Wicked Women of Detroit book because it just it had. It, I almost mentioned the top, but it has that vibe. Yeah, and it was that a book great has story. The coolest it really does stories, and like I mean, I have the the. Um, it's not Wicked Men, but like Wicked something of Detroit, like something else yeah. in that series, and like it is good as well. But that women one for some reason, and just like it's incredibly like, interesting. Yeah, and like this is a serial killer I'd never heard of in Detroit, mm-hmm. and just yeah. like because it probably because it wasn't exclusive to Detroit, but yeah. it ended here. Yeah. So, yeah, that was my story this week. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. They had all the twists and turns. Yeah. No, as I was researching, I'm like, this is fucking crazy. Had glitter and some beards. And, um, yeah. Thank you so much. That was wonderful. 
No problem. I was excited. I was like, I love when I can bring a true crime story to Jess that I don't think she's heard yet. Yeah, no, I think that's why that book is interesting because it is like these kind of like more obscure, uh, yeah. twisty, turny things that I'm like, oh, weird. And I love it. And that yeah. was great. So yeah, no problem. I think you definitely earn a game of Two Truths and a Lie for that one. Hell yeah. And this one is just like random. This is just. Okay. I we found like random. a list of 175, you know, things you don't know. And I chose. Yeah. Three of them. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. So and yeah. Number one, the heads on Easter Island have bodies. Number two, uh, fingernails actually keep growing after you die. And number three, copper doorknobs are self-disinfecting. So like number two is where my mind goes first because I could understand that like it would give the appearance that your fingernails keep growing, but I don't think there's like, you're not going to open up a coffin from like the 1600s. not going to be just all fucking fingernails because they just kept growing after you die. Mm-hmm. So, but I like, don't know if I want to say that's the lie because like, I feel like it's one of those things where it's like true in a weird way, but I think the cop, I, I kind of feel like the copper one's real because the copper is like a really good, like that's why copper is so expensive is because it's good for so many things. Mm-hmm. And what was the first one? Uh, the heads on Easter Island have bodies. I'm going to say that's the lie. That one is true. Uh, oh, okay. And the tens, which I'm assuming means the 20 tens. Yeah. Uh, the archaeologists studying the hundreds of stone statues on Pacific Island, the Pacific Island exca- excavated two of the figures revealing full torsos, which measure as high as 33 feet. Holy shit. I know. Isn't that kind of cool? That is. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. That means they're just like a bunch of 33 foot dudes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so now we're down to fingernails or copper. All right. I'm going to go with fingernails next. You are correct. That is the lie. Uh, okay. Fingernails actually don't grow after you die. There is a common misconception and there is like a lot of like, there you we know go. fingernails and hair keep growing after you die? It's just there. everything around them recedes. Yeah, exactly. So because they actually to grow need a steady supply of glucose, which is cut off after the heart stops beating. Yeah. So they're not going to grow anymore. But the skin around the hair follicles and nails dehydrate, which like you said, retracts recedes. So it makes yeah. them appear a little longer. But it's just because everything else is. That's why they say you get long in the tooth as you grow older because your gums naturally recede. Um, okay, that makes sense too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, like, my gums recede quick. <laughs> I brush too hard. I mean, it's better than not brushing. Yeah, no. Because like, then you're just all gum because they all fall out. So literally at the dentist, I was like, oh, I just, like I'm trying to like be better about not brushing so hard because like I'm trying to be better because they're receding quickly. And I'm like, well, I guess I should at least be happy. It's not my hairline. Yeah, 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 yeah. I like yeah. my hair. I have a weird I like great I, hair. Yeah. Like I just I'm not someone who I feel like would look good bald because I have like a weird shaped head and it's moly. So, like, I feel like mm-hmm. I just need to keep the hair for everyone's sake. Well, there you go. I mean, I think you just do whatever makes you feel good. So. And I want yeah. the hair. There you I go. like I've decided I don't care what color it turns. Mm-hmm. It just needs to stay. Yeah, knock fair. on wood. Uh, really quick, though, just to expand on the copper one. Copper doorknobs are self-disinfecting because the material has been found to kill bacteria. There was a study at the National College of Kathmandu in Nepal 
And they said, quote, the metal ions denature protein of the target cells by binding to reactive groups resulting in their prescription and inactivation. The high affinity of cellular proteins for the metallic ions result in the death of the cells due to cumulative effects of the ion within the cells. So basically, brass sterilizes the bacteria that can build up from all the um, gross Touchings. things that touch it. <laughs> it's interesting you don't. I feel like you don't see copper door arms very often. I feel like now we should. No, I mean, I think in like some older houses, if they're not glass, you might see a few copper here or there. My, I think glass my, my is plates more. Are, like the plates on my doors upstairs are definitely copper, but like mm-hmm. the knobs themselves have like a goldish color. So maybe they are bronze. They could be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, but really quick, this all came from bestlifeonline.com slash run ran random. I almost said random fun facts. And it is a really fun list. There's like I had a lot to choose from. I didn't even make it like 25 down before. Like I had the three that I was going to use, though, because I already had like six and I was like, OK, I need to like not keep going. because yeah. It will make it harder for me to choose. So yeah. it was it was pretty fun. One of my favorite ones, too. I'm just going to share one more because. This one go for it. Yeah. It's like a, a close second. I'm looking for it right now. But it was um about the first speeding ticket. And Ooh. the first person to get convicted of speeding was going eight miles per hour. <laughs> Basically, it was Walter Walter Arnold of the English village of Paddock Wood. I said Kent. Is Kent County? Is Kent a a part of England? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Paddockwood, Kent. And on January 28th, 1886, Arnold was spotted going four times the speed limit in his 19th century bends. But since the speed limit at the time was just two miles per hour, that meant he was not going too fast by today's standards. The constable had to chase him I down. I walk his... faster than two miles an hour. No, the constable had to chase him down. Well, he was going eight. The constable had to chase him down on his bicycle, issuing a ticket for uh, four pounds, seven uh that seems steep for back in the day. Yeah. Four pounds, seven S. What's a seven S? Pence? Yeah. It's S pence. Okay. So four pounds, seven pence in earning Arnold the speedy distinction. Damn. <laughs> I cannot imagine getting a speedy ticket for going eight. Like, I don't even think my car can idle that slow. No. I mean, there's literally people who run way faster than that. Yeah. Not me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a strict like five miles per hour girl but some people do yeah so yeah yeah <laughs> crazy <laughs> i think that pretty much wraps us then i think we are wrapped like a court case um that is yeah been resolved <laughs> yes we are wrapped like a court case. We are wrapped like a Judge Judy court case. Uh-huh. She finishes shit. We'll call it like that. Mm-hmm. Gavel has been struck. Uh, if you want to find us on our social medias, it's mm-hmm. at Detroit Strange on Instagram and Twitter, Detroit Strange on Facebook, and our email address is DetroitStrange at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And please do. Uh, and yes. also, you, you know, rate, subscribe, review. That'd be great. If you want some merch, we've got a shop at Threadless, Detroit yeah. Strange. We've also got a Patreon, Detroit Strange. Yeah. You know, and we're so happy you're here. So thanks yeah. for coming. And I think. Hope to see you back next week. Oh my gosh. We would love to see you back next week. Yeah. Don't be a stranger here. Come on no. by whenever. Be strange, but not a stranger. Yes. We'd love that. But so I think. Until next time. 
Stay, Stay strange. Bow, 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 bow. Ooh, ah. I was trying to do our um, theme song outro. This has been a production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast. Our theme song was created by Detroit duo Sex and Violence. I have my gain literally all the way down. No pain, no gain. You know what I mean? zero. There is no gain. So there's no pain. This is as quiet as my mic. This is as low as she can go. She's gone as low as she can go, honey. She won the limbo championship. She is down. Mm -hmm. She's like a a slice of paper. She already got low, (laughs) low, 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 as they say. And then low again. So low.